Have you been struggling to make money with your blog? Or maybe you'd like to learn how to build a niche blog and start generating a passive income, but don't know how to go about it. Well, don't worry, I got you covered. Introducing Blog Builder Pro. Blog Builder Pro is a comprehensive online course designed to take you from a complete beginner to having a website up and running that is making you money. Blog Builder Pro also helps take the guesswork out of monetizing your blog by teaching you an easy step-by-step process that I call the Nifty 50 Course Steps. These steps will tell you what to do and when to do it so that you are never lost. One of the biggest frustrations that newer bloggers have is that they do not know if the work they are putting in on their sites will yield them some result. But thanks to the more than 60 professionally produced lessons, special worksheets, easy blog and email templates, exclusive webinar discounts, one-on-one training, and a community that can help you answer questions 24-7, Blog Builder Pro is rocking the industry with this groundbreaking and comprehensive training, holding your hand from start to finish. So go to bloggerevolution.com income and check out the free webinar for some more information. That is bloggerevolution.com income. So like I can kind of see that that carrot dangling in front of me, even though it's miles away. And I'm like, I got to figure this out. Like I'd, I'd already figured out how to make, you know, a dollar, $10, whatever it was at the time. And like, if you can make one, you can make 10, you can make a hundred and so on. It's like, I got to figure out how to get to the end of the day on this. So I just kept pushing. Um, there were tons of times where I just wanted to give up and just yeah. throw it away and say, I got a good job. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But yeah, I just pushed through. I'm, I'm definitely glad that I did. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. They just give up a little bit too soon. Regular people are taking their passions and interests, writing about it in a blog and making a living from it. But not everyone is successful. There is a right way to build a blog and a wrong way. And I am here to help you succeed with your online business. My name is Chris Miles, and this is the Blogger Evolution Podcast. Oh, and welcome to the Blogger Evolution Podcast. My name is Chris Miles, wherever you are, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your day. All right. So I have a whole load of inspiration for you in this episode because we had the privilege to talk to Jeff Bridenstine from PassiveIncomeUnlocked.com. You can also check out uh, his YouTube channel. It's pretty amazing. Uh, very pointed to the point. No wasted time. Literally just giving you the goods on how you can replicate the type of success that they've had with their uh, niche websites. Uh, just to speak specifically, they have a uh, portfolio of websites that gets over one million views per month. Yes, that's, that's not uh, <laughs> that's not exaggeration. They're getting over a hundred. Sorry, over one million views per month on their niche sites, and it brings them anywhere from between twenty five thousand to fifty thousand dollars per month in revenue. Now that is outstanding, and if it doesn't show you the potential of what niche sites can actually do for you, then I don't know what will. All right. Um, In this episode, we are able to talk with Jeff and we go over quite a bit in terms of how he's able to get that million page views and how they're able to earn that revenue. We talk about the benefits of hiring a local team rather than, you know, we always talk about getting VAs overseas or getting a VA, you know, in other parts of the country or whatever. We talked to Jeff how being able to have a local team working together can be so much more beneficial in terms of getting these sites to grow as much as they can. We talk about his keyword strategy to get over a million uh, visitors per month to his websites, um, the backlink strategy or lack thereof that they have for their sites as well. Um, We talk about how they structure their sites so that 
even during the winter, they get traffic surges where in a lot of niches, typically, you know, during the winter, things start to die, but not for their websites. We'll talk about how exactly they're able to target specific keywords to make sure that that happens. Um, we talk about how they recovered from an algorithm update. That's just something that, that happens in our industry, but how even though they did get dinged, they were able to come back literally with a vengeance. Look, Jeff is a really nice guy and I just I implore you to listen to the, the the nuggets that are in this episode and be able to turn them around on your niche site and be able to use them there as well. And if you haven't started, this should be some inspiration to get you started to figure out what exactly needs to be done, how it needs to be done so that you can start replicating some of the success that Jeff and his team has had. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and jump right into this. This is Jeff Bridenstein from PassiveIncomeUnlocked.com. All right, and welcome back to the Blogger Evolution Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Miles, and we have Jeff Bridenstein from Passive Income Unlocked. He's graced us with his presence, and we thank him so much for doing so. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Really do appreciate it. So um, just a quick thing. Why don't you give people a quick background on how you got into this business and you know your, your background or anything that may have helped you be able to become you know, a successful blogger the way that you guys are? Sure. Um, so yeah, I kind of got into all this uh, whole make money online thing probably about 10 years ago. Um, didn't start with blogging back then, started with actually with drop shipping. Um, and actually before that, I mean, I tried a whole bunch of weird things online, but drop shipping was kind of like the first big one Then I moved into print on demand. Um, then I got into blogging after that. It was probably about five years ago. Um, just kind of always been chasing that, you know, starting your own business um, line or whatever that everybody tries to go after. Um, but yeah, my background is in IT. I've been, I actually still work full time. I've, I've been working in IT almost 15 years now. So I'm sure that helped me along the way, just as far as like learning how technology works with the various things online. But yeah, kind of, kind of my background there. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I find that uh, I actually have a background in IT work as well. And, you know, the way our minds work, I have a very analytical mind, like two plus two has mm -hmm. to equal four, but I've definitely noticed that in blogging, or just really online business in general, a lot of stuff is just really gray area. Do you notice that as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. That's that's a great point. It's sometimes really hard to quantify things when you're doing blogging, and it's there's just like a lot of uh, subjectiveness and, like you said, gray area that you kind of have to figure out. Yeah, for sure. Do you think it'd be difficult for someone who doesn't have a super technical background to be successful with blogging at all? I don't. I really don't. Um, I think there's some technical hurdles early on. Um, and I think I pro that was probably easier for me and probably for you as well, just trying to figure out some of those things, like with, with hosting and getting a domain and all that kind of stuff and setting up a website. Yeah. Um, but once you get past those hurdles, which there's tons and tons of YouTube videos out there that can help you with that nowadays, um, from there, it's just writing content and, and you can kind of learn as you go and you can make mistakes along the way, go back and fix them and whatnot. So, no, I don't, I don't really think it should hold anybody back from starting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, one of the things I learned, especially being in an IT field, uh, when I was first getting started, you know, first level support where you're just taking care of a lot of password changes and things of that nature, you have to be very good with people. You know, you don't want to talk under or below them or anything like that. And it's easy to do when you're in a position in IT sometimes. And I think because I was able to bring you know, a little bit of personality and helpfulness, that's actually translated really well in the YouTube channel and the podcast and things of that nature. Um, I, I could definitely see that in your channel as well. You guys, you just love helping. Like, do you get something, uh, like, how do you feel when you know that the information that you're providing could possibly be changing people's lives? Like it's already changed you guys. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, I haven't really given that much thought, but it, it definitely makes me feel really good. Um, and I've kind of experienced the same thing with IT as you have, where um, almost your, your best skill in IT is just being able to help people that don't quite understand what you're talking about. Um, and that probably does translate over the YouTube channel. Um, try to just talk at a level that everybody can understand, doesn't matter where they're at, and, and don't make them feel dumb, obviously. So, yeah, it definitely comes across. I, I can see it every time. Uh, and it's easy to binge on your videos, too, you know, even though it's not a ton of like flash or anything. And, you know, a lot of times you have a lot of flash and sizzle, but you, it, you're left empty mm -hmm. at the end. But definitely with your content, you, you listen to it. And man, I learned so much, you know, just from you guys' experience with it as well. So, you know, I just definitely appreciate what you guys are, are putting out. Um, but let's go ahead and just, just shift this a little bit to the blogging uh, information and stuff like that. So, sure. I mean, give us a little bit of a background about, um, you know, if you don't mind sharing any kind of numbers, you don't have to, but it's up to you, like, mm -hmm. in terms of what you guys are able to do, you know, on average or, or anything of that nature. Sure. So um, last year with our with our sites, we have six sites currently. Um, one's only a few months old. So really, we have five sites, um, four that are older than a year and a half old. So there's like four main sites that we have. And that's really what we've been tracking. Um, and those four sites last year were basically hovering around the 1 million page view mark uh, per month. Um, over over that for most months, um, started out a little bit lower. And as far as revenue, that kind of brought in um, anywhere from like, I think 25,000 in the spring to 50,000 in December. Um, there's some seasonality in play there, but kind of leveled out around the 40,000 mark throughout the, uh, the summer months there. Okay, and that's, and that's on average per month, right? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's impressive, especially hitting the million. That's the congratulations. You know, I, I would definitely hey, say you. that you guys have have figured it out and cracked the code. That is that is awesome. So um, you're you're doing this with a business partner, though, right? Yeah, we actually we actually have a, a small team of four people. So I, there's one business partner that you see on the YouTube channel. His name's Ben. Um, he's a childhood friend of mine. So we've been really good friends for a long time. And actually, the two of us have been trying to figure out ways to make money online or actually just start our own business in general for at least a decade now. Um, so that's kind of how we got involved where I, I kind of started figuring this thing out and then I reached out to him, he was on board and, and came in. And then the other two people are family members. So, yeah. so we're kind of attacking it as a four person team. No, that's cool. Cause you know, I, I have a friend who recently just got into this and um, he got into it basically through me because he saw the success that I was having with it. And uh, I'm, we're now batting the idea of starting a site together. Do you have any tips for us about starting a website with people? Cause I, so far I've only yeah. started websites by myself. Like what, what kind of tips do you have for someone who might be, need, might be doing this with another or more multiple people? Sure. No, that's awesome. Um, I think there's a lot of benefits to working together with, um, with a partner or a team or whatever. Obviously you have to make sure that you're on the same page early on. Um, not just financially, as far as how you're going to split the income or whatever, but just make sure that you have the same goal, same type of work ethic, things like that. You don't want it to be a situation where somebody feels like they're doing all the work or, or anything like that. But I mean, there, there's tons of benefits. Obviously, when you work with somebody else, you're going to, uh, for example, like I might watch a YouTube video on some topic and I might pull something out differently than, you know, Ben, for example, he might watch the same video and he might get something different from it. And then we can bring our ideas together and be like, oh, I think we should try this. And then one of us can run with it. And, and this kind of stuff happens all the time where like somebody in our group just, you know, finds some piece of information online, sparks an idea. They bring it to the team and we run with it. And that's just something you're not going to have if you're working on your own. So lots of benefits of working as a team, I think, or, or with a partner. Yeah, no, that makes plenty of sense because, you know, I mean, 
and when you've been in the business for so long, sometimes you start to get jaded to maybe newer ideas or you see an angle and no one else sees that angle. But then, you know, you have a partner, exactly. you have some other family members who you are working with who could see the, like you said, the exact same thing and see something completely different in it. And that could be the tweak that you need to add an extra 10% to your income or something of that nature. Uh, would you agree with that? Like that, that kind of happens? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that's happened with us. Um, there's been times where I'll, I'll watch something or I'll know some kind of topic. Like I've researched something that like, it makes sense to me. I feel like I have a good understanding and I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense to go down this path. And somebody else in our, in our team will get that same information, but they actually get that golden nugget and figure it out. And they're like, I think we really need to try this for this reason. And then we're like, okay, you go ahead and run with it for a couple of months. Let's see what happens. Next thing you know, it's, it's, it's changed our whole process. And we're making more money at, at the end of the day. So yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. That's 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 really awesome because more would say uh, more minds help. I don't even know what the phrase is, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's multiple people in there. You can give different types of perspectives and everything. Um, yeah, exactly. When starting with a business partner or team or anything, are, I know you said that you started some of these sites within the last year or so. What um, mm-hmm. are you doing? Are these brand new sites or are these age domains? Are they expired domains? How are you really attacking that? Uh, every one of our sites is on a fresh domain. So we've never gone down the age domain route. I mean, it might be something that we test out in the future. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, other YouTubers recently test it out. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the concept, but I kind of don't. I mean, there's obviously drawbacks to it as well. So I haven't gone down that road yet. Yeah, I know. I saw uh, John Dykstra recently posted something mm-hmm. and he was saying how I think he started five age domains and of the five, I think he said two of them or maybe three of them were successful. And he said for him, he said for him, that's not a good enough ratio (laughs) because with the fresh domain, he can get it almost every time. And uh, he might get it four out of five times with a fresh domain. And why do you think that there's a difference there? Like, cause you seem to share that same sentiment, like fresh domain versus age domain. What's the big delineation there as to why one over the other? Yeah, I think it's just, it's, there's just a risk involved when you do, when you use an age domain, cause you just don't know what's been going on with that site. Um, yes, it might have some domain authority, but you don't know where those links are coming from. And even if you do, they're pointing at articles, specific URLs on that site. And if those URLs don't exist anymore, it's worthless. Um, so you have to recreate the content that those URLs are pointing at, hope that it's close enough to where those links still add value and so on. So I think, I think there's a lot of factors as far as whether or not it can actually work. Um, and then of course there's the upfront cost for paying for the age domain as well. So I, I don't know, it's just, it's just a risk and and honestly, with the way that we build sites, we always try to go low risk. That's kind of been one of our mottos all along. Yeah. Do you guys uh, sell your sites too, or do you tend to hold on to them? Um, so far, we haven't sold any sites. Um, we definitely don't rule it out, but we try to, to uh, build really, really broad sites that um, kind of can keep growing for a very long time. So currently, we don't have any plans to sell. Okay. Now, of the four sites that you, um, you said your four main sites that you have, yeah. do you have like one front runner that's just going crazy and then a whole, the other ones are just kind of smallish uh, or relative to it? Or are they all pretty even? You know, what's, what's kind of the spread on that? Yeah, surprisingly, uh, we've been pretty fortunate in that they're all pretty even. Um, there's seasonality on all four sites. So like our, our oldest site um, kind of takes off in the fall. So like fall through winter. So that site was bringing in, I think, at the peak in like December, I think it brought in like 650,000 page views on its own in, in December. Um, but in the summer, it levels out. It's going to be around like 300,000 or whatever. But um, like I, I remember at one point, there were like two or three months in a row um, in 2021, where each of the four sites were right around $10,000 a month. I mean, it's almost completely even across the board. Traffic was very similar. 
RPMs so our ad our display ad RPMs were you know a little bit different and that kind of balanced it out but yeah somehow we just end up with four sites that are very well balanced nice that's that's really fortunate you know <laughs> because <laughs> um in in my situation particularly i usually you know i have one site that's just doing really really well and then the other ones are doing not bad but it's like I guess in terms of my focus, that might even be a benefit of having more than one person. You know, you can kind of split your uh, your attention among different sites without having to worry about the uh, one other site going down for some reason. So that's that's probably got to make a lot of sense. Um, Just to follow up on one thing that you mentioned, how you have one site that's doing better during the winter months. Um, mm-hmm. because of the little seasonality that it has there. Was that planned or, you know, because usually with most niche sites, not really most, but a lot of niches, they kind of die in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, you have that seasonality, but you have one that rises during the winter. Was that planned? Yeah, it actually wasn't planned. Um, it, we just kinda, it just kind of worked out that way. We're really fortunate in that regard, but um, it's a, it's a food-based site. Okay. So when you get into the winter months, people are just doing more and more cooking, and that's why it takes off. And especially around the holidays, it really spikes on those days. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't planned at all. That's just kind of how it worked out, where there are our other three big sites, they, they do a lot better in the warmer months. Yeah. And then they kind of they die down in the winter, like you said. No, that's 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 pretty awesome that even though it wasn't planned that it works out that way, because even though the RPMs usually kind of ramp up toward quarter four, you know, if things mm-hmm. are still kind of doing well, even when the winter, um, you know, the dog days of winter, I guess you can call it January, right, February, yeah. you still got a site that's surging. That's pretty awesome, you know, to say that you, you've done that. Um, now, you mentioned earlier uh, how the uh, income was spread pretty evenly among the sites. How are you monetizing your sites? Um, so we monetize uh, primarily through display ads. We use uh, Mediavine's ad network for that. Um, and it's, that's really about 95% of our income comes from display ads. Uh, we do... We sprinkle some affiliate links through there throughout our articles as well, mostly from Amazon, um, some from like ShareSell and whatnot as well. Um, and then we do have a digital product, actually a few digital products on one site um, that we really haven't quite figured out how to push yet, how to promote it. Um, but right now, it's just everything, almost everything's coming from display ads. Yeah. Do you have any horror stories about with affiliates? I remember hearing a story one time where you where something the site wasn't growing fast enough and you were just like, okay, let's take yeah, advantage yeah. of more traffic. And then you did some, like, tell us a story about that if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually our first site though. So that food-based site. So we started that site, I think roughly four and a half years ago. And I don't remember exactly what point this happened, what you're uh, kind of referring to there, maybe six months, nine months, somewhere on there. Uh, we had grown the site to about, I don't know, like 8,000 page views a month or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't much, but when it's your first site, that feels like a lot. Yeah. Um, and we were primary or we were monetizing purely through affiliate links. So it was, a, it was an affiliate site. We had a lot of uh, product reviews and things like that on the site. Um, so anyways, I, I was kind of just kind of getting impatient and I'm like, how can we make more money? We got 8,000 people coming to the site. That's a, that's a ton of people. I mean, that's what it feels like at the time. So what we started doing was we added more reviews to the site added more affiliate links to our articles, sprinkle them in through the informational content. And you know, the, the, the revenue rose really quickly. Um, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later or whatever, we lost two thirds of our traffic overnight in the algorithm update. Um, and again, like it was really early in the site, but as you know, when you're building your first site or, or any site and you lose all that momentum, it's, it's really disheartening. Um, but that's when we kind of shifted our strategy to building mostly informational content or actually hundred percent informational content. So that's what we've been doing ever, ever since. Um, and that's why we're, you know, monetizing with display ads. Do you think a big reason why the traffic dip was because of uh, up being maybe too affiliate heavy at that point? 
I think so. I think we were really going overboard. I mean, we had, you know, if you have like a post where it's five best, this of that, we might have like 10 links in there where you have five image links, five text links, maybe more than that. Plus we were adding them into our informational content. There's, and it was all Amazon. There's Amazon links across the whole site. Yeah. So once the, once you decided to kind of back off on the affiliate and go more information heavy, the site recovered though, right? That's the same site you were talking about earlier. It did. It did. It took, it took a few months to recover. I mean, we made all these changes. We didn't make the changes right away. Um, we are kind of decided whether or not we were going to even move forward with the site at that point in time. Um, thankfully we did, but yeah, so we removed a ton of those links. So like the review posts, we took them down to maybe just the top two items would have links and they'd just be text links, something like that. Um, removed them from all the informational posts. A few months later, the traffic literally just came back overnight. So it was definitely like an overnight thing. It wasn't just like where it gradually came back. It just like flipped the switch pretty much, just like when we when we lost it. Um, and then they just kept going up and up and up from there. And I don't think it's ever been hit by another algorithm update since then. Wow, that's that's outstanding. Usually you hear a lot of the horror stories of people, like you mentioned, how overnight traffic dies. But after you've made the adjustments, overnight traffic increased. That's pretty mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome, even though it did take some time. Yeah. Um, the months in between, though, how did you keep your sanity <laughs> You know, during that I, time? I honestly don't know. I, I think it just boils down to um, I'm just really, really persistent, hard-headed. And just keep pushing through. So like I can kind of see that that carrot dangling in front of me, even though it's miles away. And I'm like, I gotta figure this out. Like I'd, I'd already figured out how to make, you know, a dollar, ten dollars, whatever it was at the time. And like if you can make one, you can make ten, you can make a hundred, and so on. It's like I gotta figure out how to get to the end of the day on this. So I just kept pushing. Um, there were tons of times where I just wanted to give up and just yeah. throw it away and just say, I got a good job, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But yeah, I just pushed through. I'm I'm definitely glad that I did. And I think that's where a lot of people fail, they just give up a little bit too soon. Uh, but yeah, when you when you see a traffic drop like that, your money just goes away overnight. It can be really disheartening. No, I can I can totally agree with that. Um, that's why I've always you know preached multiple streams of income. But then you got to mm-hmm. be careful because with multiple streams of income, you're spreading yourself even thinner and thinner each each time True. that you do something like that. Oh man, okay, that's 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 pretty interesting right there. Um, <laughs> man, I had a good question. Totally, I should have wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. So you mentioned a couple of times that you're still working a regular job. Um, yep. why not quit? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I get that question a lot. Um, so I think if you would ask me that question, you know, like 15 years ago, you know, single or whatever, and, um, not a lot going on, just working at a big box store or whatever. I would have quit like right away. As soon as I was hitting like a thousand bucks a month, I would have probably just quit and gone all in. Uh, but now, you know, I got a wife, got three kids, oh, wow. um, you yeah. know, you got car payments, you know, you got student loans that were, were almost paid off and not quite. Um, you got, you got a house payment. Um, I've got a job that I've been working my way up through for, for about 15 years now where, you know, I'm making good money there. And if I walk away, I'm not gonna be able to walk back to it. Um, so there, there's yeah. just a lot of things there where it's, it's difficult to walk away. Um, I definitely have a plan to make that big exit, um, you know, maybe one or two years or whatever, but I just want to kind of build that safety net a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, pay down, pay down some debt, build up the savings, whatever, but yes, it's definitely in, in the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I, I went through the exact same thing, to be honest. Uh, I looked at it to where like, to me, I started looking at it where jobs are a dime a dozen. I can get another one. You might have a, mm-hmm. a very highly specific job, so I'm not even going to dive into that one. But for me, it was kind of a dime a dozen. Um, I figured mm-hmm. I, I was working at a hospital and I was like, you know, I can get another job somewhere else if I ever needed to. And there was some stuff that was happening with the job that I didn't like. And I was like, you know what, let's just take the leap and see what happens and just go with it. Uh, I totally understand though, you know, single versus married and having children and everything. It's not a decision that only only 
it's going to affect you. You know, you're talking about the, the lives of affecting others. So I could totally understand um, with these businesses that we build, you know, we dump so much money into it, right? Especially when it comes to content and things of that nature. And it's not like at the end of the day, even if it didn't work out, we still have a piece of land with a house on it, right? You still have that at the mm-hmm. end of the day. With a website, you put a lot of money into it. And if Google just shakes its nose and something weird happens, it's just done, you know? So, uh, I mean, how do you, with the amount of money that you do invest into your sites, how do you trust that you're going to always get a return from it? Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. It's a digital asset. So all of our sites could disappear overnight, theoretically. Um, that's that's why diversification is so important, no matter what you're doing. So if you have uh, websites, having multiple websites helps with that, having multiple traffic sources, um, income sources, which those are things that we need to work on. Um, those are important. But with the money that you get back, so the profits that you take back, that's where you can really diversify. So, you know, put, put them into the stock market or whatever, you know, yeah. your, your retirement account, things like that, pay down all your debt, just reduce your risks. So that's that's kind of how we look at it. You know, that, that money that we get back, how can we diversify that even further outside of the business to reduce our, our personal risk? Yeah, that makes that that's, that's cool because a lot of the risks that do exist, we can mitigate them if we just are a little more smart with our money. And sometimes when you're working, you know, your regular nine to five job, you're not necessarily thinking about that all the time. But when you're an entrepreneur, your mind is like every hole needs to be filled so that in case the whole bottom does drop off, you still have something that you can live on for a while just so that you can keep moving. Um, You know, with the amount of money that we've seen now, like with website sales and multiples that are, you know, upwards of 40 and 50, you know, right now when people are buying and selling sites, um, it makes it hard to see that or wonder if, if blogging is still growing. It's definitely still growing because these things are still happening and the income is really starting to increase. But where do you see blogging in like the next five to 10 years? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and I think a lot of people are selling because the return is so high right now. And I completely get that. And that's another way that you can reduce your risk. You can sell sites and then you can reinvest some of those earnings and other sites and whatnot. Um, as far as where I think blogging is going, I think quality is going to become more and more important going forward um, because you have more competition out there now. There's a lot of people that are learning how to build sites. Um, you have all, a lot of AI content that's getting yeah. produced out there. And that's, that's definitely going to be a problem. Um, I think Google will be able to figure it out for the most part because it's going to be um, pretty low quality, I think, for a long time. But nonetheless, when somebody can whip out a site and put 10,000 pages on it overnight, which you're seeing those types of sites pop up and start ranking, you're competing against those types of sites. So I think quality is going to be the big uh, differentiator for people that, that want to succeed with the blog. Yeah, because I don't see uh, really anything happening with people wanting to read content. Some people are saying, oh, people aren't reading anymore. They do all video. But there's totally a ton of situations where I have I need a quick answer to something and I can't sit here and watch this video and have this person beg me to subscribe and beg me to like and beg me to do this and that when I just need one sentence answer. So I always believe that there's mm-hmm. going to be um, there's still going to be a group of people like newspapers. They're still around. They're all digital, but they're still around. And they've been around for hundreds of years, right? So, oh, maybe not hundreds, but it's been around for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So there's always going to be a group of people who are down for uh, actually just reading something and then learning it that way. Yeah, I'm in that same group of people with you. I, I prefer reading over watching video any day of the week. Um, I mean, almost anything, any, any kind of piece of information that I need, I, I go for the written version first. Um, I just yeah. don't enjoy watching videos for the most part, which is ironic because I create videos, but 
Um, I just, I can, I can read an article and get what I need much, much quicker than I can from watching a video. Yeah. Um, there's always, there's always going to be a need for that kind of written long form written content, in my opinion. Um, I mean, yes, things like an Amazon echo or a Google home, they can, they can take over and answer the really short questions that one sentence can answer or whatever. And that's fine. There's always going to be topics out there, keywords to, to go after that really need a much more thorough answer. And it's either going to come in video format or written format. And for me, I'm always going to go towards written format. So I think there's going to be people like us that are always going to be going for that. Yeah, no. And because of that, that's why I think ads are doing so well nowadays with a lot of the places. You mentioned Mediavine is the one that you guys are using um, mm -hmm. pretty much specifically, uh, exclusively, right? You guys, not right. nothing yeah. with Ezoic or Anthrive? That, that's correct. We, we tested Ezoic, and I think Ezoic's probably a great platform. Um, but we had some technical issues with them, and then we just kind of jumped ship. So. So now, like, if we build a new site, we just wait till we get to Mediavine um, levels. And and Thrive, I've heard great things about them too. We've never tested them out. Uh, we've been happy enough with Mediavine where we're just we're just gonna stick with them. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes plenty of sense. Um, now, since you're creating sites and you're saying that you're waiting until you get to the fifty thousand session threshold for Mediavine, mm -hmm. are you doing anything to monetize in between, or are you just letting the site ride? Literally just letting them ride. Um, we're not even adding any affiliate links to those uh, sites until they get to that level either. Um, and we do add affiliate links to our sites, not a, not a whole lot, but we add them where, where they make sense. But uh, for a brand new site, we literally will just let it ride, making no revenue at all until it hits that threshold. And we'll monetize it with ads and we'll also start adding some links. Is there a reason for that? Um, or, or, I think the, the <laughs> or a theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our theory is we want to give the best chance possible of growing without getting hit by any algorithm updates or anything like that. Um, so we, we do it as you know, 100% white hat as possible. Yeah. Um, nothing that might discourage Google or visitors from you know having good user engagement with the site and, and so on. Okay, cool. No, that makes that makes sense because you want to try to build up a little bit of a repertoire momentum. with Google. Yeah, and momentum, mm -hmm. and just say, hey, yeah. you know, Google, I know what I'm doing. I'm being helpful. You can look at the analytics. You can see people are coming to the site and enjoying it. I'm just going to go ahead and slide in these ads after we get <laughs> to about 50,000 page views. And, That's uh, exactly right. Yeah, cool. So with the ads, you know, one of the big things with ads is obviously is the RPMs and how much mm -hmm. you're able to earn with it. Um, I saw that you had some tricks or anything. Do you have a couple of tips that you maybe could share with us as to what you guys do to increase the RPMs on your site? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely definitely share some things. And most of these things I got from Mediavine directly, or I, I say I, but it was really we, because actually this is a case where there was somebody in our on our team that said, hey, I found this on the Mediavine Facebook group. We should test this out. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Well, you know, we'll try it. And then next thing you know, our RPMs go up. So another one of those situations. But um, the easy ones would be um, short paragraphs. That's That's a big one. Um, actually take a step back before that, make sure you check all your, your settings within the uh, dashboard, whatever network you're using, because there's going to be ways to increase the uh, placements or whatever. And we don't go overboard. We don't max things out like some people do. Uh, we still try to balance that user experience, but definitely make sure you take a look at that. Um, so short paragraphs, add images throughout your article, um, short sidebar, make sure you use the, the sticky ads on the sidebar, the, the footer as well. Uh, make sure you do video ads. So like with Mediavine, they have a universal video player. Um, let's see what else. I don't know. Those are the only ones off the top of my head. There's a, there's a lot of them, obviously. but How do you balance uh, the user experience with loading a site with ads? Yeah, that's actually something that I used to worry about a lot. And I think a lot of people still worry about that, where they're like, you put ads on your site, people are going to bounce immediately. And it's, it just provides a poor user experience. 
Um, but what, what we found is actually when you add ads to your site, nothing changes with your engagement like at all. And, and in some ways, I almost think it actually improves the, not it doesn't actually improve the experience, but it almost makes people think that your site's more legitimate. Like if you go to, <laughs> yeah. if you go to a site and there's no ads on it, you know, that's, that seems odd. You know, it's like, is this an actual good site or not? You know, because people have come to expect to see ads on their site. And if they don't want to see ads, they're going to use an ad blocker. So, so I don't even, I don't even think it's an issue, something to worry about. I mean, like I said, we don't, we don't max out our ads on any of our site. We, we definitely balance them, but, but we have tons of ads on our site. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah. And you can't go to a news site or a sports site or anything like that without getting bombarded with an ad. Every time I want to see like a highlight to some game, they force me to watch a 30 second, you know, uh, Chevy ad or something like that. And so people are used to it. And definitely mm-hmm. through my testing, I've noticed that whether or not ads are so even on like maybe a piece of content that is very affiliate heavy, I haven't noticed a difference in whether or not people actually click through on the affiliates or not. But still, I, I'm able to monetize every single person that hits that page, which does make a difference with the types of income that comes in. Do you guys see anything similar? Yeah, same way. I mean, it's like, like I said, I've, I've noticed no difference when you monetize or when you, uh, yeah, when you monetize a piece of content, whether it's with affiliate links or display ads or whatever, um, it really doesn't change anything as far as user engagement. Yeah, that's I'm definitely noticing the same stuff as well. Now, just to unpack something you mentioned earlier, you talked about how you guys are uh, building your site's 100% white hat. Um, mm-hmm. What's your view on backlinks? Um, I, I yeah, so that's a tough one because uh, Google has always said that they hate back or they don't hate backlinks. They don't want to see you building backlinks. They wanted to see them come naturally over time, right? Uh, but then somebody from Google, I can't remember if it's John Mueller or somebody else. Um, posted something saying that it's okay to do it out, do outreach. And this, this was like a few months ago or whatever. So that kind of changed how people are thinking about it. Um, for us, we're just letting backlinks come naturally. Um, I will tell you, if you build a good, good site with a lot of good quality on it, um, you, you provide good resources basically, because that's what people are, are mostly linking to resources. So yeah. if you're building a content site, it's just a resource. Um, but if you put good resources on your site, people will link to it over time. And that backlink profile will grow. It's going to be very natural. Uh, growth. And that's what we've done. We haven't had any issues with it. Um, like I said, we do do things low risk. I think you can probably do some outreach and it's not going to cause any issues. Might even speed up, you know, the growth of your site. But for us, we're just going to keep sticking to just building them naturally over time. Yeah, that's that's easy to do when you already have a portfolio and income coming in. Usually when someone who's a complete beginner, like a lot of people who do listen to this podcast, they uh, you know, they, they they want to make it so fast. And mm-hmm. there's there's a couple of people out there. I don't, I don't want to name any names, but there's people out there who can build a huge authority site in literally like seven, eight months just from completely, you know, just going ham, basically, uh, on yeah. on the backlinks and the guest posts and everything like that. And the whole time I'm just waiting for a, a, an algorithm update <laughs> to just crash the site and to see if they actually admit it, which chances are they probably won't, but still. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's one of the things. And no one really knows because no one else can see your analytics other than you can. So, right. I mean, it's just one of those things. But, no, I totally agree with that, uh, with the aspect of not doing it. So, basically, the um, the sites that you guys do have live right now, there's no real active link, bank, link building going on with those or even in the past just to dabble with it? No, we, we've literally never built a single link, never sent a single email out, nothing. I mean, the, the only links that we have built, if you want to call it that, would be like linking from a uh, Pinterest profile or something like that, which everybody yeah. does. But that doesn't mean anything anyway. So 
Yeah, we've, we've never done anything to build links. It just comes naturally over time, and every single site has thousands of links pointing at them. So yeah, no, that's that's one hundred percent true. I do I do agree with that. Um, now to get now, even though we're not talking about actively building backlinks, you talk about how you are creating resources that people can then refer yep. to. So what kind of keyword research are you guys using in order to find the proper resource to write about? Yeah, so we use a, we use a tool called Keywords Everywhere that just shows you, and maybe you're familiar with it, just shows you the uh, estimated search volume right in Google search and also on YouTube and things like that, I think, as well. But um, we use that tool, and then we just use Google search to find our other keywords um, using the, I think people like to refer to it as the alphabet soup method. I think it was an mm -hmm. income school term. Um, so we have some variations on that as far as what we do, but that's really how we find our keywords. Um, and basically, as far as creating a resource, um, we, we just look for questions. So like whenever we're building a site, we want to answer lots and lots of questions. And as far as a resource um, gaining backlinks over time, I just kind of look at it from my own perspective. If I, if I post an article on my site, I want to boost that particular article by linking to sources that make sense for it, right? So like when I'm reading that article or when I'm writing that article, I'm like, okay, I got this piece of information from this site. I'm going to link to it. And if that, you know, so obviously that site is providing a good resource for me. So you just kind of turn it around. And if you create that site, same type of content, when people are writing articles that are relevant to your, your niche, they're going to link to you just in the same way. Yeah, that, that that's awesome, and that makes plenty of sense. Do you go after? I know you said you're using keywords everywhere, and they do give you like a search volume each time. Do you go after a lot of zero uh, search volume keywords, or it, does everything have to have, you know, a, a certain amount of search volume per month for you to go after it? Um, so when we first started out, we weren't even using any tools. So like on our first site and maybe our second, we weren't using any tools at all. So we just kind of go after whatever made sense. Um, you know, with common sense, you look at a term, does it make sense that people are searching for it? Um, then we started using keywords everywhere. Um, we kind of been sticking from to uh, 30 and above as far as what the tool tells us. Um, but there's kind of some stipulations on that. And I think I go over that in one of my videos, I can't remember, but basically um, what you have to re remember with any of these keyword uh, research tools are kind of pulling like exact search um, matches or whatever. So if you, if a tool says 30, for example, what we try to do is think about the other ways that you, that somebody might search for that same keyword. And if we start finding some variations for it, and maybe those variations are zero volume, but you kind of see like there's five variations for the same thing. At that point, we would go after it. Um, we don't really go after a keyword that's zero volume unless we see other um, related terms or, or basically other variations for that same term. So if we have like a group of five zero volume keywords, we might go after it. Uh, typically, we'd probably try to go higher than that. But we try to kind of get a better idea of what the actual search volume is by thinking of other ways that people that people are searching for that term. Yeah. So just so I can make sure that I understand. So basically, you'll uh, have a question or something that you might find using the alphabet soup technique. And then just to verify it, uh, you try to make sure that it has some search traffic within keywords everywhere. But even if it's a zero, you see if there's variation. So like, are you taking out words and just seeing if Google auto suggested? Yeah. So something like how to ride a bike at night. How do I ride a bike at night? Can you ride a bike at night? You know, you just think of like different ways that people might search for the same thing. And maybe one's going to return a volume of 10, maybe another one of 50, maybe another one of zero. And you just kind of compile this list and you're like, okay, these all mean the same thing. And there's like seven or eight of these keywords. I'm going to go after it because at the end of the day, I think it's probably bringing a few hundred or more searches months. Yeah. Especially when you add it together, all of the different variations, mm -hmm. right. And how much they can make uh, in terms of, of, 
traffic each month. So, um, okay, so how long does it usually take for, I know it depends on the authority and everything of the site, but when you are posting an article, how long do you wait for it to make its return, I guess? Yeah, I think honestly, that, like you said, it depends on the age of the site and uh, the authority of the site, I guess. Um, so like on a brand new site, I mean, it might take six to nine months before that article, probably long, probably more nine months to 12 months before that article starts to really uh, take off. Um, and it's going to depend on the competition. You know, if, if there's no competitors, you might see some traction a lot sooner than that. Um, if it's more competitive, you might not see traction for a very long time. Um, once you do start to get some momentum on a site, um, you can go after a keyword and see some some results. You can start ranking on page one within, you know, within a month, a lot of times. Yeah. So it really, it really does depend on, on kind of the authority of your site. Are you doing anything special to your posts um, after you post them or do you just kind of post and forget about it? No, we, we just, we publish, uh, we hit publish. Actually we schedule, so we don't even hit publish, I guess, but we just schedule yeah. them out and we don't do anything. There's no promoting or anything like that. Um, I think I'm trying to remember when we stopped doing Pinterest, but uh, I think early last year we stopped doing Pinterest, but we were spending a ton of time creating Pinterest pins for a very long time. Like that was like the focus of our business, creating these Pinterest pins. It seemed like um, just, <laughs> I say the focus because so, it was so time consuming. Yeah. Um, but at that point in time, we were kind of promoting as far as creating all these pins that were going to be scheduled to go out at the same time and, you know, multiple variations and all that kind of stuff. But kind of glad that Pinterest kind of died out um, as far as getting easy traffic because it was, it was really a waste of our time looking back at it. Yeah, so you you mentioned that you completely stopped giving uh, mm -hmm. doing the pins and everything. Was it just because the traffic just dipped or died, or what what happened with it? Yeah, so from and I don't know exactly what happened, but I think um, Pinterest became a uh, publicly traded company at one point in time, and right around that same time, there seemed to be some algorithm updates that they released where they just were not sending or uh, free organic traffic to your site anymore. Um, so I don't know if they're trying to get more. Um, you know, money through paid ads or whatever, which you can do. Um, but whatever the case, it was like two or three algorithm updates several months apart. And you just see like a sharp decline in traffic um, coming from Pinterest. And it was just for new pins, like all the old pins um, kept bringing traffic to the sites. They still bring traffic to the site today. But any new pins that you would publish, um, the impressions, instead of being like a thousand impressions per pin, they were literally dropping down to like 20 impressions or something like that. So it was, it was like they basically weren't showing any of your new content um, in, in, in their own search engine. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's that's crazy. That's like a ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent drop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, were you depending a lot on it, or was has most of your traffic been from Google in the first place? Yeah, most of our traffic was from Google in the first place. I mean, we had uh, a couple sites or two older sites kind of got in on it before it died out. So we were, you know, we had one that was getting, you know, maybe fifty thousand, or actually more than that. I think it was closer to hundred thousand page views a month from Pinterest. Um, I haven't looked at it in a long time to see where it's at now. And the other one was probably more like thirty thousand or something like that. Um, and they, like I said, we stopped uh, posting pins and th those old pins still kept bringing that same traffic for a very long time. Um, I haven't looked in several months as far as if it's still bringing that traffic or not, but, um, the newer sites that we started around that same time, they didn't really gain any momentum because they were, they kind of started right before those algorithm updates hit. Yeah, no, that makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I hear a lot of horror stories. Uh, a lot of the niches that I jump in aren't very great when it comes to, uh, pinning because they're, they're not mm -hmm. the huge, most very huge 
uh, visual type, you know, niches or whatever. And I mean, I've tried Pinterest. I've gotten my account banned like half a dozen times because <laughs> they got, yeah. <laughs> always get accused of doing this. And then I try to appeal it and they send me an email. Yeah, we're not turning it back on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I got to figure something else out. So I've always been pretty heavy on Google as well. Do you mm-hmm. try to diversify your traffic at all? Or do you just like all, all, all full steam ahead on Google? Yeah. So, so here's the thing about that. So like, you know, everyone knows it makes sense to diversify, right? It's there's less risk when you diversify, but we, we kind of take a different approach to it. Um, it's kind of ties into the whole 80, 20 rule. You don't want to focus 80% of your time on something that brings a 20% return or something along those lines. Right. So instead of trying to focus a bunch of effort, trying to diversify our, our traffic sources or our revenue sources to bring a very, very small stream from some other source. So let's say that we tried to get traffic from Reddit or Quora or Pinterest or whatever, instead of spending a bunch of time working on those things, we're, we're just doubling down on what we know brings really, really high traffic. And by doing that, we're growing that traffic even higher. Same thing on the revenue side, you know, we, we do the same thing with display ads, instead of trying to figure out how can we promote a digital product when, you know, we know that, yeah, we can probably get a good income stream coming from a digital product. We're going to take a lot of time and resources to get that figured out. It's still going to be relatively small compared to what we make from our display ads. So instead we just focus on what works, just producing content that does well with uh, display ads. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you try to focus again on too many things, it's better to just focus on one and get it perfect. And then as you have, exactly. once you get that rolling, now you can, okay, now I can start concentrating on something else and just adding to the beast. I guess you could say when exactly. it comes to that. Um, are there any like tools or anything that you might use to, to help you um, in terms of uh, interlinking or anything on your uh, websites to help with that? Yeah, so as far as interlinking, um, definitely super important to do. It's something that we um, tend to neglect and procrastinate on, and I think a lot of people do because it's just a huge pain. It is. Um, <laughs> I think on our first, probably our first four sites, we pretty much didn't add hardly any internal links until they got past like 200 posts. Um, and the good thing with that, at least, is the more posts you have on your site, the easier it gets to do the internal linking so you have more things to link to. Yeah. So I guess that's one benefit. Um, as far as tools, I mean, we've used Link Whisper. Um, the plugin, I'm sure you're familiar with that. That's that's definitely a great tool. Um, I think it works really well for certain um, instances. Like if you want to if you want to link from a bunch of other posts to one specific post, like if you have a, a so-called like pillar post on your site, yeah, and you want to link from a bunch of different posts to that post, you can do that very very quickly with that tool. Um, and that's what we used it for. Um, but aside from that, we actually just go through and do the the linking manually, um, and we kind of have a, a process in place for that. I mean, it'd be hard to explain. No, you know, I, recall, I, I, but, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, we, we actually do it manually um, aside from just kind of hitting those really big posts and we just do, do everything else uh, the manual way. Yeah, no, that makes plenty of sense. The, yeah, and I have used Link Whisper. I, I think that's probably one of my new favorite tools I've been using mm-hmm. over the last eight or nine months or so. It does make the process so much easier than just typing in site colon and hoping that you can come up with something that will actually link in your site. Sure. Uh, all right, cool. So um, in terms of that, what else is there anything else that maybe we haven't talked about that maybe you'd want to uh, uh, bring up in terms of how you guys are, are building your sites? Um, let's see. I, I mean, the main thing for us is we just focus on um, low competition keywords. That's what we've been doing okay. since day one. Um, so with with our first four sites, first five sites, I should say, we we basically don't target or didn't target anything where there was more than just a few competitors. Um, early on on the site. So as the sites grow, of course, we start to go after some um, tougher keywords, but that's that's kind of how 
uh, we've been able to succeed just looking for that low hanging fruit. Um, we are testing a different strategy on our, our newest site, which is only a few months old. And that site, we're actually targeting um, every competition level, basically trying to um, build topical authority. So like if you pick a niche and you have a, a small subtopic within that, we're going after every single keyword we can find um, within that subtopic. So we're, we're kind of experimenting with that. But for what's actually worked for us in the past, it's literally just going after low competition keywords. Gotcha. And um, let me ask you this. So if you are beginning a site, you're going after low competition keywords, then, and then you say as the site grows and as the authority grows, then you go after higher uh, volume keywords. What's the delineation? What is it about the site that tells you, okay, I think I can go after something higher now? Honestly, for us, it was, uh, it wasn't necessarily something where we thought that we could necessarily get those um, bigger competition keywords or whatever. It was just more, we're finally making some money. We can throw more, more darts at the dartboard and maybe some of them will stick. And believe it or not, they do. I don't even know how we rank for some of the keywords that we rank for on our sites. When I look back at them, like, how did we outrank these competitors? I don't even know. Um, but but you don't you don't find out those things if you don't take that chance. Um, but early on on a site, obviously, it just makes a lot more financial sense to go after what you're most likely to rank for, which is the low competition keywords. But as you start getting an income stream, you can start taking some risks and just say, okay, I'm going to go after some of these that that there's definitely some competitors out there. And if I land on page one somewhere, I might get at least a trickle of traffic to make it worth it. And, and sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I'm doing some keyword research and I see like anything medical or anything, you know, in yeah. dot, dot gov dot edu, I just, I run the other way. <laughs> Is that basically kind of, I do, the same. Of, I do yeah. the same. <laughs> it makes total sense. Uh, okay. Let's shift gears. I know we're running close to the end of our time here in terms of site structure. You mentioned it a couple of times. Um, do you guys are, do you have like a very strict silo structure? Or do you just kind of spray and pray and just see what happens, what sticks and then stick there? Uh, how, are you guys just coming up with a ton of categories? You only have a handful of categories. How do you structure your site in that in in that manner? Yeah, we've we've never really been too structured. Um, that's something that we're we're definitely testing on our our brand new site where we are a lot more structured um, with kind of with silos and whatnot. We're not doing like the whole silo thing where you have like a pillar page that you're linking from all these other pages. We're not yeah. we're not quite going to that level. We're just linking where it makes sense. But as far as having like very defined categories and and using tags and things like that. We're doing that on our newest site. Um, on all the sites before that, we kind of had a rough idea. Like this is a, the broad niche that we want to cover. This is a smaller sub niche that we want to go into. Um, and then maybe there's some smaller topics within that sub niche or whatever. And we try to target that early on, but it's not even something where we would like post 20 posts on this and 20 posts on that. We had literally just build our keyword list and say, okay, we're going after this small subtopic and here's a bunch of random keywords within that, let's just start going after them just because they're a little competition. Um, so that's what we did on our first four sites. On our fifth site, uh, we, we did an experiment. We just kind of said we're doing the spray and pray approach where we're literally going to go after anything within this niche, just all low competition, super, super broad niche. And that has uh, taken us much, much longer to get to the levels that we're, we're at on our older sites. So that's, that site is getting close to the 50,000 session months uh, per or sessions, sessions per month mark right now. Um, and I think it's like, getting close to a year and a half old. So a little bit longer with that, but I, I think that's just because we were just doing that spray and pray approach instead of being somewhat more targeted, but, but yeah, we're, we're not super structured in that regard. And as far as like the number of categories and whatnot, we probably have anywhere from two to five categories on each of our site. So very broad categories. And then we use tags within those categories to kind of structure it further down. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause when, if you just do a complete spray and pray, uh, you know, you, you just hope that one 
one article catches on and then maybe you double down on that type of content and then keep, mm-hmm. keep going with it. But then you end up wasting, especially if you're contracting out the article creation, you're wasting a lot of money just to hope that one of them actually sticks. But trying to get that real topic authority or topical authority, however you say it, mm-hmm. that's what you guys are really going <laughs> after, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it, yeah, like you said, if you're if you're outsourcing the content, and even if you're not, even if you're if you're writing all the content yourself, the last thing you want to do is write a hundred articles and have only five of them stick, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's still important no matter how you're going about it. Um, it definitely makes sense to kind of approach things from more of a topical nature, where you you, you don't have to be super uh, structured about it, but if you have you know a niche that you're going into, find some small topic within it, start with that. Try to pepper that uh, particular topic with as many articles as you can come up with before moving on to the next one. I, th- I think that's definitely the best approach to take right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm seeing that as well. Um, all right, so I guess what would you say is the biggest mistake that you have, maybe you've made or that you, you're seeing other bloggers make? I know with, with your YouTube channel, you're probably you're getting a lot of uh, comments and everything, people asking you mm-hmm. questions and everything. What would you say is the biggest mistake that you're seeing a lot of newer bloggers make? Um, I think the biggest mistake, and it's this is one that's hard to pinpoint, but it's, uh, it's not being patient enough. Um, so it's the same mistake that I kind of alluded to earlier where I kind of make, start, make, start making changes to our first site, adding a bunch of affiliate links and whatnot, simply because I wasn't being patient. Uh, building a blog, no matter how you go about it, I, I guess there's ways around that, like you said earlier with backlinking. But for the most part, building a blog from scratch takes a very long time. Um, it requires a lot of patience. Um, and if you're not patient along the way and you start like making changes to your site, um, it's, it's probably not going to end well for you. Um, so that's, that's one mistake. I think the, uh, the other big mistake, um, and this is something that I did a lot early on. I don't do it so much anymore because I'm very aware of it. Um, but is basically not focusing enough on what actually matters. So instead of focusing on writing content, you're spending time researching, trying to learn how to, how to build this business. Obviously there's a time and place for that. It's super important in the beginning to get that foundational knowledge. Uh, but once you get that foundational knowledge and your site's up and running, you should be spending 95% of your time writing content, not not researching SEO or you know anything like that. Yeah, and I, ironically, I was just talking with uh, uh, a client earlier today. I'm helping him build his site. And he told me how he set up the meeting with the CPA. He set up this. He's done <laughs> that. He's got this set up. He's got that set up. He's ready to go. He found a bank he thinks he wants to go with. Now, those things are <laughs> important. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But... You know, he tells me, well, I'm like, I ask him, he's been at this now for like two or three months. I'm like, well, how many articles mm-hmm. are on the site? Well, I wrote two articles, but I haven't posted them yet. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've, I've seen the same thing. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've kind of trained some people personally yeah, and they, they, they've seen what we can do. Like they know how it works, um, at least on the surface or whatever, but that's, that's usually the path people go down. They, they, uh, try to get it all figured out ahead of time before they start writing content. And then, like you said, two or three months down the road, you still have no content on your site. So it's, yeah, you got to start writing as soon as possible. You can't, your articles don't rank until you you publish them. That's the most important thing, hitting publish. Yeah. In my wife's business, they they had this thing called uh, uh, IPAs. And, you know, to me, IPA is a beer, but uh, to yeah, them, yeah, an right. IPA is an income producing activity. And uh, yeah. I love that. Like, I was like, that yeah. because at the end of the day, you really do need to sit down and think. Okay, is what I'm working on going to make me more money? If not, you probably wasted your day, you know? So yeah. uh, I, I totally understand that. And the whole thing with backlinking and everything, I, I've, it works. 
I don't get me wrong, but I feel like the fugitive. Like I'm, I'm always having to keep one eye open, waiting for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. algorithm update to hit and literally see track. Because I've been hit by traffic, uh, not traffic, but um, algorithm updates uh, before. Yeah. But usually it was like twenty percent, twenty five percent. It's not too bad. But then sure. I've heard some horror stories that people lose eighty, ninety percent of their traffic overnight, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I, I, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I agree. And and that's something that should not happen on a white hat site. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but you really shouldn't get completely wiped out if you have a legitimate website, but you definitely have that risk if you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Like you said, you're going to be always watching over your shoulder kind of waiting for that update to hit and you can't necessarily rely on your income. I mean, you might have a really good income stream. You might've gotten there sooner, but can you really rely on it? Probably not. Yeah, I, I can't live that black hat life anymore. So neither. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. So, um, where can people find you, Jeff? This has been a great interview. I appreciate you being on. But where, where, where can people keep keep up with your uh, uh, what do you call it, case studies and and things of that nature? Yep. Sure. So, so two places. So you can go over to passiveincomeunlock.com. Um, that's just basically a blog right now. I'm just publishing a bunch of content just to kind of show people how to build sites. Um, the other place would be just go over to YouTube, search for Passive Income Unlocked. Um, ben, like I said, one of our business partners, he and I have a YouTube channel over there. So we post a lot of uh, helpful content plus income reports. And we're doing a case study right now as well. Nice. Hey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's definitely a great place to check out PassiveIncomeUnlocked.com and especially the YouTube channel. Some really great nuggets that these guys are dropping. They're active. They're doing it. This isn't theory, right? This is stuff that they're doing and it's really active. So again, thank you, Jeff, for being on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Have you been struggling to make money with your blog? Or maybe you'd like to learn how to build a niche blog and start generating a passive income, but don't know how to go about it. Well, don't worry, I got you covered. Introducing Blog Builder Pro. Blog Builder Pro is a comprehensive online course designed to take you from a complete beginner to having a website up and running that is making you money. Blog Builder Pro also helps take the guesswork out of monetizing your blog by teaching you an easy step-by-step process that I call the Nifty 50 Course Steps. These steps will tell you what to do and when to do it so that you are never lost. One of the biggest frustrations that newer bloggers have is that they do not know if the work they are putting in on their sites will yield them some result. But thanks to the more than 60 professionally produced lessons, special worksheets, easy blog and email templates, exclusive webinar discounts, one-on-one training, and a community that can help you answer questions 24-7, Blog Builder Pro is rocking the industry with this groundbreaking and comprehensive training, holding your hand from start to finish. So go to bloggerevolution.com income and check out the free webinar for some more information. That is bloggerevolution.com income.